You're listening to The Moment, compelling conversations with amazing Canberra women, hosted by award-winning journalist Ginger Gorman. Today, Ginger talks to Serena Macklin. Serena is a mum and wellness coach, but in this podcast, Serena talks with great courage about her lived experience of surviving postnatal depression. And a content warning here, this audio does contain discussion of suicide. If you or someone close to you needs support right now, please call Lifeline on 13 11 14. That's 13 11 14. Now, here's Serena talking to Ginger. I was in this place where I had um, just finished studying uh, full-time and during the previous two years up to this uh point in time in my life I'd pushed aside all of my emotions I didn't know that what I had actually been experiencing over the previous two years were actually signs and symptoms of postnatal depression and even though as a as a healthcare professional I should have been wiser and I should have known how to actually seek help in a more proactive way I just didn't know what where I was, what I was doing. And I had these two beautiful children at this point. I had a three-year-old and a two-year-old. And what I realised was that I just wasn't me anymore. And a certain contribution of things had happened in my life at that point, um, including my grandmother's funeral that I think, I honestly believe to this day, was the last trigger in my postnatal depression journey, for want of a better word, that um, tipped me over the edge and I actually lost all hope. Everything that I'd worked towards in my life, all the successes that I'd enjoyed uh, prior to children, just didn't seem to matter anymore. They just weren't there. What do you mean? What, What kinds of things are you talking about that suddenly seem to have disappeared because of your children? Yeah, so good question. Um, and I don't actually mean it to say to mean because of my children, but my work, who I was as a person, my identity, my success, the happy-go-lucking, the free-spirited um, person, the go-getter, the high achiever, that person and everything attached to that identity had disappeared. And part of it was because here I was, I was no longer in control. I had these two children that depended on me. And I, for as old as I was when I had them, I had my first one at 40 and my second one at 41, I still actually didn't understand the depth of lack of control when you have two children and two new lives that are dependent on you. Don't you reckon that's a big part of it though? Like uh, there's no sense before you have a baby that your identity is almost going to be detonated. You somehow have to find out who you are as a mother because those pieces don't really fit into place anymore once you have kids. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. My identity was just shattered. I didn't know. And still, you know, it's t- it's taken a good, if I was to be honest, a good four years to actually come out of this cloud and really understand that I came out of it not knowing who I was anymore. My role in life had changed. My identity as a result of that role had changed. That motherhood was actually something that I could enjoy, not that it was actually such a burden. So... And it's interesting when we wait to have kids till we're a bit older. We've lived our own lives for a very long time. And so 
that sense of having a little person who takes control of everything, who takes all your time and all your energy, we're just not used to it. We've lived as independent, successful human beings for a very long time. It's quite a shock to the system. Yeah, absolutely. And and I totally underestimated the depth of that shock and the depth of that hopelessness, lack of control. Um, and I'm not sure if that even sounds right, but even though I was existing every day and getting through the routine of every day, you know, feeding, making sure that the needs of my two beautiful babies were being met, I describe it as I was just existing. I wasn't even living. And I mean, as someone who's also suffered bad postnatal depression, I think the hard thing in my own head was how much I loved my baby, but how I could also simultaneously feel such negative things about myself and the life that I now had. And I couldn't ever reconcile those two things. Yeah, yeah, I totally understand that. Serena, you were talking just a few moments ago about pushing everything aside and not dealing with it. What do you mean? What sorts of stuff were you pushing aside over that two-year period? Yeah, so I was pushing aside um, the fact that I actually had emotions, the fact that I had to feel, you know, the anger, the sleep deprivation, uh, the lack of control, the um, frustration. And I was actually pushing aside the fact that I actually could have been more engaging with support opportunities in the community and mostly associated with the stigma of postnatal depression and and subsequent experiences that I had, as, as you know. I mean, the stigma is such a massive thing even today, but you kept that under your hat for two years. That's a long time. Mm. There there were warning signs um, and, and it's one of those things that I've often been told that I actually have a good face, a good facade, that I managed to keep the depth of my desperation totally a secret from my husband. I know, and you're getting upset now. It's okay. This is a really hard topic to talk about and, you know, you're doing really well. Uh, What were the warning signs then? What things do you look back and see in yourself and think, wow, I can't believe that's what was happening and I didn't tell anyone or nobody knew? There were a lot of warning signs. Um, The change in personality, um, the constant anger, my whole personality actually changed. If I was previously, if you could have described me previously as charismatic, I went to being totally uncharismatic. My soul, the way I I felt at the time was that my soul had actually gone. There was nothing of me that was left. Um, And within me, the the trigger signs were the fact that I actually started thinking about suicide Mm. as a way out. Let's talk about this moment then that you came to. You came to an absolute kind of crisis point. What was that? Uh, So I came to a crisis point and it was um, just – so it was a confluence of things over the two years. You know, this change in roles, change in me, change in my relationships, the fact that I thought that I would never be successful again despite the fact that I'd just finished studying and and then sort of – you know, sleep deprivation didn't help anything um, in terms of my health and state of um, well-being. And then the last trigger 
was a family funeral and that just tipped me over the edge and that was in November and so from there on I just thought well look you know if I couldn't trust my family and that has a double meaning for me Ginger because throughout my two years of suffering with postnatal depression I reached out to family to try and get some help and I was ignored and then what happened at the family funeral was also something similar and so for me in that state of mind I couldn't delineate between the fact that they were two separate events and then that was just compounded and I just came away from that funeral going well if you can't trust family what hope do I have you mean you reached out for help and what happened then yeah so I asked um some um, local family members for help what I now realized though was actually that I asked the wrong family member and I mean I guess the thing is that mental health it's very hard to understand if you haven't experienced it and there is still a stigma attached to it. So perhaps if the person hasn't got direct experience with it or they don't know how to ask for help, they don't recognise it, it just seems very strange to them or unidentifiable, if you like. That's possible um, and that is one way of looking at it, um, although with in this particular situation I honestly thought this person knew better just because of their own family experiences but that's all then I mean what was happening within me was the turmoil and losing hope you know the Mm. fact that there was nothing there was no light I couldn't find light in my children I couldn't find light in my relationship with my husband I couldn't find light or any hope and he didn't know like he wasn't aware of what you were describing as the depth of your despair no no and so you said you talked, you thought about suicide. Uh, what happened? It came to this moment where I just thought, okay, there's no hope. My life is over. It's not me. And I said about planning a suicide. And uh, it took me about six weeks to plan it. To And then being as analytical as I am, I also had a backup plan for the plan because I just knew that I wasn't going to continue in this way um i'm not making light of this but that is very much something that an overachiever does <laughs> thanks ginger um you know what i mean like you really i mean that's frightening you really set about it in this very methodical way absolutely and i think for now, for me even now recollecting this with you is actually more frightening than what it was back then ironically but yeah there was absolute determination there was this absolute sense of hopelessness that I can't even describe actually accurately and and in that space everything was just dark and there was nothing else beyond that and so yeah I said about planning and I'd even decided the date I decided the methodologies not just one but two as I said because I had a backup plan and it wasn't until the week before it was going to happen that I had a conversation with um, a rather astute friend who ironically had lived through um, some depressive episodes in her life and I just remember that I got off the phone with her this one particular Sunday night and thinking okay great I've totally fooled her and you know basically I'm only a week away it's going to be all over the pain will be gone there'll be nothing you know there won't be anything more that I can do by that point 
And then about five minutes later, she calls back and she says, Serena, she said, there was some tone in the in your words that were just wrong. What are you doing? And, um, and I remember trying, you know, I kind of paused and to this day, it's sort of a bl- bit blurred. Did I just pause or did I, you know, defend myself? But I seem to recall that there was a momentary pause that was brief enough for her to then understand that, yeah, I was actually planning something. And within 20 minutes, she was on my doorstep. And this was about 9.30 at night. And my husband was totally overwhelmed by the surprise and also uh, totally overwhelmed with the reason why my friend was there. Wow, what an incredible friend. Yeah, and... As I said, she was one of these people that had actually had um, suffered depression in her life pre- previously and and was quite astute in terms of triggers, personality, behaviours. Um, and had it not been for her, I most likely would not be here today. Serena, looking at you today, you know, you're so vibrant, you're so strong, you've built this fantastic business, you've got this lovely family and this lovely home how did you get from there, what you've just been describing, to where we are right now? That must have been a long journey. Yep. So um, five days later, I was marched into the doctor's office because that was the earliest we could get an appointment. Um, That's actually a long time, though, in your situation. Yeah, yep, absolutely. And part of that as well is because I'm one of those people that can hide it really well. Um that I said for a couple of days that I just needed space to think and my husband actually took time off work to actually look after me and make keep an eye on me basically. When I walked into the office on the Friday, I just felt like I was being guarded and again I was out of control but also surrendered to the whole process and the fact that I had been foiled. You know, the first thing, the irony of the whole that whole week was that I was thinking, gosh, I wasn't meticulous enough to have hidden it well enough. Did it take a long time to get better from that spot where you were so dark? As you know, I'd been struggling with all of these, you know, the dark thoughts that go along with um, depression for, for a while. And there were times when I thought, I need something to change. I just don't know what to do. And then I'd make an effort, but then I was so lacking energy that I just didn't have the motivation. So it became a vicious cycle. But on the, um, I think it was the 20, 23rd of December when I was walked into the doctor's office, I remember sitting in that chair thinking, you know, it's my choice. And in that moment, I realized that I had power. And then I set about reclaiming that power. And it was that power and that sense of control that in an instant I felt that I had again, that I'd kind of forgotten, um, that I'd kind of left, let, you know, circumstances and emotions and, let, you know, my body that was obviously struggling under all of these stresses, that I'd kind of forgotten that I actually had that power mm-hmm. to make that choice. And if you think about that particular moment, that crisis that you came to, how do you think it's brought you where you are right now? Um, It's made me stronger. 
Um, it took, funnily enough, it took me about four weeks to get in to see a clinical psychologist because um, the one that I wanted to go to was actually on holiday. But it turned out to be the best thing I ever did because in that four weeks, I seriously, under the care of my husband, who was actually now aware of the situation with me, um, and it was actually at that point that I believe that he may have told his parents, I'm not sure, that there was a bit more awareness and a bit more um, sort of cotton wooling of me. I'm not even sure if that's an expression, but that's what it felt like at the time. And in that four weeks, I, um, I actually read a book called The Biology of Belief by Dr. Bruce Lipton. And in that four weeks from seeing the doctor to when I had my first appointment with the, the psychologist, um, I actually did a lot of my own healing, a lot of introspection, a lot of analyzing, a lot of judgment. It was all in there. And I was at a point where I had nowhere else to go. So what did I have to lose? You know, so I may as well have included it all. And then I read this book, we were at the coast and I read it in two days. It was so compelling. And the way he described the way that thoughts and cells and neurotransmitters and proteins and enzymes worked, he explained it in such a way that for all I knew up to that point in my life, I didn't know it the way that he explained it. And it made so much sense that it confirmed for me that I was on the right path and that I needed to get better, that what I was feeling wasn't irrational. It wasn't um, not normal. It wasn't, um, oh, how do I say it? It just wasn't out there, for want of a better word. And, I mean, if you think about people listening who might be thinking about the kinds of things you thought about or in the same difficult place that you were, what would you say to them? There is hope. My healing journey has taken me a good two years. So that was in uh, December 2013 and it's now um, February 2016. I've been on a healing journey that whole time, restoring myself, not in my physical body, my mind. And what I would say to people is that you do have the choice, you do have the power and you do have the control. And it comes down to you without actually being there to experience it with you. I can't describe it in any other way, but other than when I totally accepted what was happening to me, that was the moment that I had the most control and that's when I made my choice that the person I had become wasn't me and that I wanted the person back that I was. You've been listening to The Moment, compelling conversations with amazing Canberra women, hosted by award-winning journalist Ginger Gorman. Today, Ginger has been talking to mother and wellness coach. Serena Macklin about surviving postnatal depression. If you need support, please call Lifeline on 13 11 14. That's 13 11 14. You can also call Panda's National Perinatal Depression and Anxiety Helpline on 1300 726 306. That's 1300 726 306. You can find more episodes of The Moment on the Her Canberra website or download them from iTunes.